Let's take our Bibles and go to the book of Psalms, if you would, Psalm 51. We're going to finish our study, uh, at least in Psalm 51 tonight. Uh, I think that it will be appropriate as we prepare our hearts for Bible conference. Psalm 51, let's, let's read. We're not going to go back and read the rest of the verses that we started with, but we'll start in verse number 5. And uh, we're going to move through this tonight, so stay with me. But the purpose of this is honestly, um, have, you ever been, have you ever been to a nice place or had a big event that was scheduled or planned for a long time, and something happened, and the whole event was basically ruined? You were still there. Maybe it was Christmas. Maybe it was a vacation. Something happened. You were still there. Everybody was there, but it just didn't go well. You ever had that? And I would say, I fear a little bit of that happening this week. Because if you're like me, it just takes one little thought, one little perspective, and suddenly my spirit is all wrong. Just a comment from someone, um, just a, a concept that comes in my mind, and sometimes it's it's a matter of things that I have not dealt with. And I look forward to vacation. I've been on vacation before and been miserable. And uh, why be miserable on vacation? Right? Well, let me encourage you to think about this. Why, why would you want to be miserable during Bible conference? If there's something that you could prepare ahead of time, you could kind of ask God to leverage out of your heart, If there's a seed of something, a root of something, why not ask God to search your heart tonight and prepare your heart so you could go in to a week? Maybe that would hearken back to those times, if you remember, when you were thirsty and hungry for the Word of God. Do you remember those times? If we're not careful, duty takes over in the Christian life, and duty has its place. But God did not put you here and say, Thou shalt do what I tell you. What's the first and great commandment? Thou shalt love the Lord thy God. God doesn't force you to love him, but he commands you to love him. So what we need to think about as we go into this week is, Lord, is there anything in my heart that would keep you from being able to fill my heart with joy and love and, and a desire to please you with my life? David here, if you see at the heading, we saw this last Sunday night, after he went into Bathsheba, Nathan confronts him. And David decides to write a psalm of confession and gives it to the chief musician. And in verse number five, he continues his confession and he says, Behold, I was shapen in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. David here is finally done with giving himself the benefit of the doubt, putting himself in the best light. And he says this, My iniquity is as much a part of my being as my flesh and blood. He said, I was shapen in iniquity. You can't disconnect my being from sin. That's what he's saying. It all came together. As long as I have existed, I have drifted away from God inwardly. You know, that's a little different than saying, whoops, sorry about that, God. 
When you are when you're saying my DNA is corrupt. You're beginning to recognize who you are as a human being. His prayer is very simple. He said, Lord, if if you want to find truth and righteousness, you are going to have to put it in there because I don't have any of my own. I've got nothing to present to you other than sin and iniquity because that's who I am. That's not just what I do, but as far as my old nature is concerned, that's who I am. Lord, if you want me to be clean, you're going to have to take over and you are going to have to make me clean. You're going to have to get rid of those things that are defiled. And, and Lord, I'm giving you permission to use anything, any means necessary to clean me up. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that to God? Lord, I can't do it. I'm not going to get back to square one, to, to, to ground zero. I'm not going to get back to a level place where I got a fresh start. Because, Lord, everything I do just gets messed up and corrupted. And if you don't help me out, Lord, there is nothing I can do. Lord, clean me. Cleanse me. He's not asking for forgiveness. He's not asking for pardon. Did you notice that? He's not asking for God to go easy on him. He's asking God to get rid of the very things that caused him to sin. He's he's not just trying to fix the past of what he did. He's saying, Lord, change me so that I don't do this again because it's who I am as a person. Do you see how that goes deeper than just, ah, I shouldn't have done that. I'm really a good person, but I messed up. This goes a lot deeper than that. Look at verse number eight. He says, make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. You know, it's okay for you to look for some joy and gladness. He's asking here that God would restore the happiness that he used to have. The happiness that he forfeited when he yielded to that sin. He's not going to seek his joy, his gladness in women in power, in possessions, in fame, all those things have have come to naught. He's going to find his joy. If he ever gets it, he's going to find it in the Lord. Lord, make me to hear joy and gladness. You know, David, for years, had lived in caves and in the wilderness. And it was in those caves, as he is being hounded and harassed by Saul, that he wrote some of his most beautiful poetry, He sang songs to the Lord when he had nothing. And now that he's the king of the land, and the Bible says that that David perceived that God had made made him king over all of Israel. He had power like Saul never had. And in that moment, he chose to sin after God had brought him to a place of prominence. Can you imagine the guilt and the pain that David, David felt knowing what he had done to God after God had blessed him so greatly. And David's looking back and he said, man, all I had was a flock of scared sheep. But I was happy. (laughs) I enjoyed my life. I got up in the morning and I was thankful for the sun. I was thankful for another day. I didn't dread getting up. I didn't dread facing my life. I didn't dread my job. I was actually happy and joyful, thankful to God. And he's saying, Lord, do it again. 
Lord, my, my bones are broken. And it looks like I'll never be able to use them again. I used to be able to scratch my face, but now I can't even reach my hand to do anything because I messed it up. God, would you bring me back to a point where even the smallest pleasures of life make me happy? That's what he's asking for. Christian, how long has it been since since simple pleasures brought joy into your life? I was thinking about it. You remember years ago when uh, they used to just sell potato chips? Remember that? What happened? Well, potato chips weren't enough. I remember when I was a kid, we used to get these uh, chips from Canada, from, uh, from uh, Ontario, and they were called ketchup chips and, and dill pickle chips. And I remember thinking, wow, those are so amazing. And we had a friend that would bring them down, and we'd say, did you bring those chips? And why, you know what? Dill, it, it wasn't, the regular chips weren't enough anymore. I had to have the dill pickle. Nowadays, it's like these chips have been soaked in battery acid. They will bring, they, literally, they're electrified. You put them in your body, they will change the molecular structure of your body. Oh, that's what I need, right? I mean, it's, coated, it's like coated with practically, it seems like oil or something just dipped in engine oil. I don't know what it is. And it just keeps pushing and pushing and pushing. You know, remember back when Mountain Dew was the edgy drink? And now it's like Mountain Dew, and we added some, uh, you know, I guess probably battery acid. They put it in there. And it's just pushing it more. And you, t- you drink this, and you will become a robot. This is amazing stuff. And it just keeps going and going and going and going. Why? It's not enough. It's not enough. And, and, and in the Christian life, it goes that way too. I mean, chips, pop. Right? Those are fun things. But isn't it interesting how what a human does in one area often does in another? And you end up with a life of a, God, a, a, a godly person, a blood-bought child of God who can't be happy with the simple things anymore. Who can't enjoy God. Because they're filled with anxiety, they're filled with fears and worries and plans and dreams and carting people around and scheduling this and that and watching this and that and hearing and you you just can't be happy. And David is asking, hey, Lord, would you reset me back to where I could hear joy and gladness? Christian, how long has it been since you have been joyful and glad? Filled with joy and gladness. Verse number nine. He said, hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. If God is a God of truth, he can't act as if there is no sin. But here he says, Lord, would you put them in a place where you'll never look at them? You see, in the Old Testament times, they were behind his back, according to Isaiah chapter 38, and he said he would never turn and look on them. Today, those sins are underneath the precious blood of Jesus Christ. He has put them in a place where he doesn't have to look on them. And he's asking the Lord, Lord, would you don't look at my sins? You know where you and I should run because of sin? We shouldn't run back and say, God, I'm sorry, God, I can't, I, I can't, I should never have. You know where we should run? We should run to the only hope that we have, and that is the blood of Jesus Christ. 
It's the only hope you have for any kind of cleansing. It's because of his death and burial and resurrection that we have any hope of ever looking on the face of God. If he looks on our sins, we can't say, sorry, God, I shouldn't have. I know, but I won't anymore. No, it's too late. The window's broken. But it is possible for God to say, your sins and your iniquities will I remember no more. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ. Run to that sacrifice on the cross. Look what he says in verse 10. He said, created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David is looking for help in the inner man. He's asking the one who created him to recreate him. Lord, you made me once. Make me again. If you, if you listen to the devil, the devil will tell you this. Your Christian life goes like this. You get, you're in the, in the you know, hog pen of sin. You get rescued and you get back with the Father's house and here you are. And then you, you start following God and you get closer and closer to God. And there comes a point where there's a plateau. And that plateau can continue the rest of your life. Now, sometimes you get up there, you start making the climb, and then you fall into sin. You walk knowingly into sin, and you go down. You have a major crisis in your life. You have a major problem, and God doesn't mean the same because now you don't trust him because he didn't act like you thought he would. So now you're going down, right? You have a hard time with that. And then sometimes you can get back up a little bit, and you feel a little better, but then you're going to go back down. And really, the Christian life just gets to a point, the best you can ever hope, the best you can ever hope for, After 35, 40, 50, 60, 70 years of serving God, the best you can ever hope for is an even plane where you just don't do anything stupid until the rapture. Didn't God create you out of nothing? He created human beings from the dust of the ground. He formed the the man from the dust. Where did the dust come from? He spoke it into existence. You and I were created by God by means of the dust And our parents. God created us out of nothing. God is in the creating business and he can recreate your heart again. He said, create in me a clean heart. Well, my heart's not clean. Good thing we serve a God that can speak things into existence. He can create in you a clean heart. And he can renew your spirit. The outward man will perish But the inward man is renewed day by day. You know what Paul could do? And he showed us his example. He got closer and closer to Jesus Christ. As every other slat in the wagon fell out, he kept climbing. He said, I died daily, but the inward man is renewed day by day. That's what God can do for us. I speak this to Bible believers because so many times we think it's about knowing X, Y, and Z. May I remind you that it is a living God who communicated X, Y, and Z to us. And he uses X, Y, and Z, those important doctrines, that is how we know the being of God, the person of God. It is not just knowing about God. Have you ever spoke with someone, they said, oh, her, I know her, she does this, she does that, she does that. Oh, how long have you known her? Well, I don't really know her. I've never really met her. How, how unkind would that seem? How, how ludicrous would it seem for someone to talk about someone that they did not even know personally? And yet, if we're not careful, believing Bible-believing friends, we will know about God, the things about him. Oh, no, I know that's, that's, not, that's not there. That's not him. No, that needs to be. We need to understand the Bible. Why? Not so we lift ourselves up, but so that we lift him up. 
We can say, I know the God of the word. And you can't disconnect the word from God. But sometimes as Christians, we try, don't we? We know the word, but we don't think of him as God. Renew a right spirit in me. God, bring me to the point where I'm excited about you as a person and excited about how you as a person have spoken to me. I'm looking at you through your word. And God, you're amazing. When's the last time you were amazed by God through his word? You know what the average Christian today does? He likes to disconnect God from his word. Oh, I don't read the Bible much, but I have a real close relationship with God. Some people read the Bible and never know God. It's one and the same. God wants both of those things. And he's saying, renew, not a recognition of what right and wrong is. He knew what right and wrong was. The problem was David didn't care what was right and wrong. Why? His spirit was wrong. His spirit was corrupt. His spirit was not holy. It was not aligned with God's spirit. He had his own fish to fry. He had his own things that he wanted to do. And now he's saying, God, bring my spirit back into alignment where I love you and I love what you love. You're the best thing that ever happened to me, God. And I really like what you said there. And when I don't, I don't care. I'm wrong and you're right. God, renew that spirit. Remember when you had that? I'm thankful that many people still have that. Man, you can't have much of a church if people don't love God and love his word. But maybe God wants to bring you into full alignment this, this week. He says in verse number 11, he said, cast me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. We understand here that the New Testament believer, the, the believer that's been born again, does not have the possibility of losing the Holy Spirit because he is sealed till the day of redemption. But in the Old Testament, it was not that way. Old Testament men and women were not born again in the same way as we think of that. David is not necessarily here uh, fearing the loss of the indwelling Holy Spirit, because in that sense, he was not the indwelling Holy Spirit. He shall be with you and shall be in you. That's what Jesus said about the Spirit. But here, David is talking about the fact that the Holy Spirit would come on someone and could leave someone in that Old Testament. David saw it with his former boss. The Bible says the Spirit of God departed from Saul. He watched it happen. He said, man, that man went rogue. He turned nasty. He's, he's the one that called me into the office and said, hey, we want to hire you. We're looking to bring you into the military and you know, you could play some music for us on the harp and something happened to that guy. Something happened to it, turned him and, and, and he chased me down. He had murder in his heart. Lord, don't do that to me. David is asking here for fellowship. I'm thankful to tell you tonight, you don't have to pray, God, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me if you are a child of God. But I can tell you this. He said, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. What is that like? That's like when a mother and a daughter won't talk. The relationship is still there, but there's no fellowship. There's no communication. Mom's not talking to her, and the daughter's not talking to mom. You know why? Because I'm sick of it. Now, I don't know who's right and who's wrong. I would lean towards the mom, but you never know. Sometimes things can get crazy in a, in a family, and it, there's just this distance, this coldness that develops. 
That is not only possible, that, that's very common in the lives of Christians to be at odds with the Holy Spirit of God. He said, grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed. Christian, don't take for granted that because the Holy Spirit has sealed you and you can't lose your salvation, that God's happy with you. The Holy Spirit is God. And you can grieve God, the Spirit. And if you're not careful, you might live a long time with that and not even know what the source is. David understands here that God's Spirit is holy and that his own spirit is not holy. It's unclean. He said, Lord, if, if if you don't abide with me, I cannot possibly be clean on the inside. I need your presence. Only the presence of the Lord can make a man holy in his spirit. Verse number 12, restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. We talked about the joy. Notice here a second attribute of God's spirit is that it is free. Free spirit. Free of defilement. Free of sorrow. Free of iniquity, of shame. You know, the spirit of God is like the wind. Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, Thou hearest the sound thereof, and canst not tell whence it cometh, whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. The free Spirit is the Spirit that walks around doing what he wills, what he desires to do. A man with a free Spirit, the Spirit of God, when the, man, when the Spirit of God is free in a man, he can impress a man to do something that lines up with Scripture, and the man will do it. And the man's flexibility, the man's willingness to be led by God's spirit creates him, uh, makes him a man who is upheld, upheld with thy free spirit. It's someone who is willing to be led by the spirit. Now, it's not willing to be led by just random impressions. And sometimes, you know, we don't have the discernment to know, is this me? Is this the Lord? We don't know. I would rather have someone who's willing to do whatever. And as you go, you get more discernment about the word of God. Maybe God doesn't want you to, you know, sell all of your stuff and live on the street and pass out gospel tracts. But if you're willing to do that, if God were to very clearly show you in his word, this is what I want you to do. Would you be willing? David is asking now, Lord, restore to me that freedom that I used to have. The joy that had once been a part of his salvation was absent. He's saying, Lord, set my spirit free. I'm tired of being ensnared by the fear of man. I want to enjoy my life again. Verse number 13, then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. When he's clean and when his heart is right, he can win others to God. Did you hear the young people tonight? That was a blessing to hear all of you talking about, I want to get the gospel out. Let me encourage you. Do something about it. The easiest way is grab a gospel tract and pray for an opportunity. If you'll, if you'll get a gospel tract in your hand and say, God, would you please give me an opportunity to get the gospel out? You might pray, Lord, you know, I'm a coward, so please make it easy enough for me to do it. How many have had God answer that prayer? Okay, that's a great prayer to pray. But you know what's interesting? When your heart gets cleaned, you get concerned about sinners. So if you're not concerned about sinners, you can deconstruct, go back, figure out where your heart is with God. Why? 
You know who's concerned about sinners also? God is. Aren't you glad he is? He's concerned about sinners. And David here is saying, you know, I've been far from God. God's not going to work. A holy God is not going to work through an unholy vessel. But he said there's hope here because if God, if you'll, if you'll cleanse me and clean me up, I'll get an opportunity to teach transgressors, not my ways. No, <laughs> you don't want to learn from me, David said. You don't want to learn. You don't want to do what I do. You want to do what he says. Teach transgressors his ways. You know who cares most about the ways of God? The people who have offended God and have been pardoned by God care most about his ways. They say, what a glorious God that could forgive someone like me. And they want to teach other people about that wonderful God. And David is saying here in the future, this could possibly be it. This could be it. I could get an opportunity to see sinners converted unto thee. Let me encourage you guys. I understand we're talking here about the Old Testament. But God has always been concerned about those who are estranged from him. He has always been concerned about sinners and about the unconverted. He wants to bring people into his family, into his fold. In the Old Testament, he used one family, the Jews, as a light to the Gentiles. You and I have the privilege, because of the New Testament, the application of the blood of Jesus Christ to the soul, and the formation of the church, the one body, Jews and Gentiles in one body, we have a privilege of teaching the sinners and bringing unconverted into his ways. We have that privilege and that opportunity. You and I do. But where does it start? It starts with being concerned about our holy God and what he thinks of us. That's where it starts. If you think in your heart, man, I'd like to be a soul winner, but I tried that once and it doesn't work for me. You have wandered far from God. I'm not, I'm not coming down on you. It's hard to deal with sinners. It can be very discouraging. But if you give up the hope that God could use you to see someone saved, your heart is not beating with God's. Because what happens is this. We try it. Sometimes our hearts are ready. Sometimes our hearts are proud. But either way, we jump out and we say, I want to get the gospel out. And we run smack dab into the machine of the devil, the God of this world. And people don't want to hear the gospel. It takes time. It takes prayer. It takes confession of our own sin and saying, Lord, help me to care like you care. It's not easy as a Christian to see people one to Christ. But it is imperative that we do. It's not easy, but it is imperative. You can't be right with God if you don't want to see people saved. You can't. I didn't say you're not saved. You can't be right with a holy God if you don't care about unconverted sinners. How do I know that? Because Jesus Christ was sent down here to die for the unconverted. He was sent down here, the Bible says, to seek and to save that which was lost. What was lost? 
Fellowship with God. The image of God in man was lost. And Jesus came to reconcile the world unto himself. And God help us if we stay in our church and say, sure is good to be saved. Lord, thank God for the silo that goes directly up to heaven. The rapture goes directly up from this building all the way into the third heaven. We'll be with him forever. God forbid that we ever come to that point. Because there's other people that need to be in here. Jesus Christ died For every man and woman and boy and girl, not the elect. Careful, my friends, we must not enter into the fallacy and the heresy of Calvinism. And do so tacitly. We wouldn't even admit to owning any, yet we still practically have the same mindset. We must be careful of this. We've got to watch it. Can God save people in Toledo? Absolutely he can. If he's ever saved anybody, he can save them here in this hellhole. And if you're not thinking that way and you think, well, then, listen, you can't do it. I can't do it. He can do it. And he's going to use vessels who are clean before God. Vessels who realize they're sinners. You realize that David did not climb up a ladder to this concept of caring about sinners. He had fallen off the ladder. And he looks up with his back broken, and he says, God, I've got nothing. I've got no power. I've got no concern. All I know is this. I want to be back in fellowship with you. Clean up my heart. Help me care about what you care about. And if I ever get back into fellowship with you, I'm going to care about what you care about. I want to reach those people that don't know Jesus Christ. That's the heart of a man whose ways are pleasing to the Lord. He says in verse number 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God, thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. David is giving a full confession. He says, I am guilty of innocent blood, and you are righteous. There's no point in even comparing the two of us. But he said, my tongue shall sing. You know, I can imagine David said, you know, I used to sing about your love and your grace, your mercy and your kindness and your gentleness and your long-suffering. And I didn't even, back then I sang, but I didn't, didn't really know. But he said, God, if you'll restore me that joy, I'll sing again. And when I sing again, I'm going to sing with a different heart. Because I know you're righteous. And I know that you're forgiving. And I know that you care. And that you have compassion on the sinner. I can sing, Lord, when I get back, when I get back into the congregation, I'm going to sing and I'm going to open my mouth and I'm not going to be embarrassed. I'm not going to look around and see who's here. I'm not going to care because I'm singing to you, God. He's looking forward to that union with the Lord as he sings. He said, I want to sing and when I sing, I'm going to finally understand what I'm singing about. What a blessing to be able to be saved Year upon year, and the songs that we sing mean more to us than they ever did because we know the God that we're singing about. He says in verse number 16, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The law is full of sacrifices. that Some required, some were involuntary. But there's not one sacrifice that could cleanse a murderer or an adulterer. Both of those offenses demanded the death penalty. He said, you don't desire sacrifice. There's nothing I can do to make up for it. But I am going to offer you this, Lord. Verse number 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. 
a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. If you want a God who has been offended by your sin to cleanse and pardon you, you're going to have to have a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Broken. We don't like to be broken, do we? We don't like to be less than our best. But when the spirit is broken, the Lord can remake it. When the heart is contrite, contrite means worn out, ground to pieces, pulverized. When my heart is contrite, the Lord can cleanse it. Christian, where do you stand with God tonight? Are you that close to being awesome? Are are you getting back into the place where you really kind of feel in your oats? You're getting back to where, man, it's good to be back in a saddle again. Or do you feel like you're broken? Do you feel that you're worn out? You're pulverized. You've had all you can take. You're in a great spot. You are in a great spot. It doesn't feel good for an average, the average American, but it's a great place for a child of God. Contrite and broken. When a man finally comes to the end of himself, like David here, he's not going to trust in the flesh. He's not going to try to cover it up anymore. He's not going to try to distract and divert attention. He is going to be a, a person who was broken before God. And God says, that's the kind of person that the Lord will not despise. Nathan said, you've despised the word of the Lord. But if you'll humble yourself before the Lord, God will not despise you. What a God. What a God who gives kindness and forgiveness for evil. You've shaken your fist in the face of God. And what does he say? If you'll humble yourself. We read this week or last week about Ahab. The wicked king Ahab, how he humbled himself, and the Bible says he went, what was the word? Softly. He said, I want to be careful not to offend God. An evil, wicked king. Think of the worst, the, think of the worst politician we've ever had in our country. Ahab was worse than that. You know what God did? God gave him mercy and pardon. God can do the same for you. But you got to stop stomping around the world like you own the place and walk softly and say, Lord, you own me and you own everything and I want to be careful not to offend you. And God says, I'm not going to despise you. There's hope. There's hope for those who have fallen in sin if they will confess before God. You realize that Often we try to cover up because we're concerned that other people will despise us for what we've done. But here's the one who already knows our every thought. He knows who we are. And he says, if you'll just repent, I won't despise you. If you'll just be upfront and honest with me, I will not hold you guilty. What a God. What a privilege that God is offering to us. Verse number 18, do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Build thou the walls of Jerusalem, with, thou, then shalt thou be pleased with the sacrifices of righteousness. With burnt offering and whole burnt offering, then shall they offer bullocks upon thine altar. Notice here that God's work is going to go on and be accomplished with or without David, with or without me. Zion's going to be built. Jerusalem's going to be built up. But you know the reason why David was able to be on the throne? Because he humbled himself before God. 
the fall of just man falleth seven times, it's not going to prevent God from accomplishing his purposes. But if you will turn to God with all your heart, you can participate in the joy of God's plans. You can enjoy God's will and way being accomplished on this earth. You can have some fun as a Christian if you'll just get right with God and say, Lord, teach me, show me. Now, I have no reason to believe anyone here is not right with God, but I know myself. And I know it's easy sometimes to harbor little things and thoughts and sanitize them. I've gotten very good at sanitizing things that probably I just don't want to deal with. And I implore you tonight, we're about to have a meeting where God's word can do a tremendous amount of work. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You're going to hear a lot of God's words this week if you come to those services. And I can promise you this, you will be built up spiritually. But it's got to start with a broken heart and a contrite spirit. If you'll say, Lord, I'm open. You show me, God, and I'll listen. If you'll approach it from that angle, you can join in a spiritual way in building up the walls, not of Jerusalem, but of the church. Building up the name of Jesus Christ in this community, in this town, in the region where you live, God will use you to edify the believers and to convert the sinner. Let's bow our heads in prayer.